You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the first pick in the NBA draft, the Minnesota Timberwolves select 10,000 layups. 10,000. 10,000 layups. Hello, good friends, and welcome back to another episode of the 10,000 Layups Podcast. I am Kyle Ratke here with Julian Andrews. Julian, how are you? Doing great. It's been a minute. It turns out it's a lot harder to talk about the Wolves when they're uh, not playing. When there's nothing really going on. Um, and we've both been busy. I was in Vegas over the weekend. Oh, um, shit. So well, I am... So about, you're rich now. I'm, and, yep, and about 30% of a human. Yeah. So um, I didn't know you were in Vegas. That's awesome. I'm going to Vegas at the end of July. That'd be fun. Yeah, we were there for a joint bachelor and bachelorette party. And then they threw a real nice. curveball at us and they just got married there. Oh, snap. so that's kind of nice. Know, yeah, that's we didn't nice. know that. It was a surprise. It was fun. Um, but we were there Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. So I am uh, three nights in Vegas. Is I was gonna say, I thought your rule was like two nights. <laughs> two nights is like max. It's like two nights to get the red eye. Like, yep. Get out of there. Yep. Yeah. Uh, three nights is yeah. It reminds me of like back in the summer league days when we were there for like fifteen days. He <laughs> would be there for just. I like, would like just live there several months, and we and he would come back and then not come to work. For yeah, two I, would, weeks. I was gonna say I, I take <laughs> off like two weeks of work just to, like mentally be right. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, and that summer was league was always so funny because, like, the first three days the team actually cares and like yeah. the people around yeah. care, and then after that everybody's like so sick of being in Vegas that right. everybody's just like you know what, no practice, like fuck this, like yeah, let's just like it's a pool day again, like let's lose our games and get out of here. Yeah, fair enough. Oh, all right, Julian, we got a few things to talk about. Uh, topics. Wolves introduced Tim Conley. That happened today. We're recording this on a Tuesday. Um, what else? Uh, some D'Angelo Russell news. Uh, we got NBA Finals to talk about, and then we have our three stars card corner at the end. We'll get into um, the Tim Conley news. We talked about it last week. The Timberwolves hire Tim Conley as the president of basketball operations. The big news really is like they gave him uh, – um, 
equity in the team, which is not something that happens very often. Um, I actually heard this on um, Bill Simmons' podcast that he recorded on Sunday. Ryan Rosillo, who's pretty plugged in, uh, you know, he didn't like, he's like, I'm not reporting this quote unquote, but like I've heard from people that the Timberwolves went after like a handful of executives before Conley agreed to, to, you know, kind of make that deal. So um, I don't want, I'm not not like shitting on the move. I'm just saying like, it's like they, they went at the, he probably wasn't their first choice, but also like hats off to A-Rod and Mark Laurie for being like, Hey, uh, uh, you know, Sam Presti. Yeah. Want to come here? You know, like, uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you gotta try, right? Exactly. That's not a bad thing. And when you're like rich, what's eight, you know, and that, that's like another good point too. It's like when you're so rich in your team and like, what's the difference between playing your, paying your basketball president, uh, you know, $8 million or president of basketball operations, $8 million compared to like paying a backup point guard, 6 million. Right. Like, right. Or like, that's I don't know. a funny point. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. I would rather pay the backup point card six million. <laughs> I, think. I get, I think you're right. Like, but, but no, I totally see where you're going with that. And I think, I think it's a good point. Um, just, I guess some quotes overall from the day. There's like really nothing to super report from. Yeah. These his... press conferences, nothing happens at them. You know, it's I like, know, they like they you have to have them. Like the I did, okay. I've not read any of the coverage of this and I barely looked at the document. I'm going to guess. Kali probably came out and he said, you know, this is a really exciting opportunity. I think we have a lot of really good pieces in play and, you know, I think we have moves to make and I think, you know, we can really build something exciting here in this city and, and give the best fans in the NBA something to something to really cheer for next season. Did he say that? Uh, pretty much. Uh, his first quote this is from John Krasinski. I'm not joining a team that's broken. This is a team that's heading in the right direction. It's made a ton of really, really smart decisions, most go. recently extending Chris and getting Pat Beverly on the additional one year. So I'm not here to impede progress. No, 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 no. No, God forbid you'd impede po- progress. He has no in, no, he, no plans to make any, any kind of his own impact. He, he sounds like he's just going to like look up from the window and just give the guys a thumbs up, be like, keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, I'm here to promote it, and I'm hopeful that I can learn a ton from the people in the building, and hopefully I can add a little bit, just a little bit of my knowledge to what's already a very strong core people. Well, that's good. I mean, it's good that he's that he's talking about, like, it's good that he's being complimentary of the people who are in the building. Yeah. Like, that's a good, like, as their boss coming in, I think that's a really good thing to do. But it is just funny, these press conferences. It's just like, oh my I'm God. saying it in a sarcastic tone, but like, what else do you want no, to say? Exactly, exactly. Right, there's no knock. It's just like, this is what these are. They're they're meaningless. It's almost like no matter what he says, I, don't, I won't like it. Because if he comes in and says, uh, you know, we need a clean house or like what you guys have done here hasn't worked. Like that's going to rub people the wrong way. But then if you're too complimentary, I'm like, well, no, 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 you're supposed to make decisions. It's whatever. It's just, I'm yeah, just, right. a, you're like, so why are I'm you just here? Like, yeah. I'm just a crabby old man. Um, overall, I really do like the hiring. And if you go through and we, we kind of went through like the nuggets moves before and um, his next quote actually really leans into that about like, just talking about, uh, you know, there's Jokic and there's Murray and there's, Porter and there's also Emmanuel Moutier and he also traded Rudy Gobert and he's just yep. talking about how it's like so hard to like you're, you're never going to go at the thousand his his full quote is um we're not engineers if you miss if you misplace the beam the building falls there's no exact science in basketball we can pick the right player and it might not be the right time we use this term quite often and you guys will get sick of it inform mistakes 
you can't be governed by fear. We have to be aggressive and we have to know everything about these players and who will fit with Finchie and the guys on the court. <clears throat> but I don't have all the answers, so I can't wait to hear what they think. I love talking hoops. I love being challenged. I enjoy the inexact nature of the draft. Like I told Mark at the night I met him, if you talk to anybody in this role and they tell you that they have all the answers, they're the wrong people. And if they tell you they're batting 1,000 in the draft, they're the wrong people. We're going to make a lot of a lot of mistakes, but hopefully they're well-informed, intentioned, and in that room we're arguing like crazy. But when the door opens, it's a we pick, it's a we selection, it's a we trade. I think that's a really, really fun part. It's the part I'm most looking forward to. I like that quote. That's a good quote. That's good. There, Yeah, that is that is a good quote. I mean, he's the part about like if anybody tells you they know what's going on, they're, they're the wrong guy. Like that's a cliche, but it's also true. Um, and yeah, I like the idea that once you leave the room, it's a we thing. Um, and what I think he's also getting at there is having process and like yeah. having processes in place and following those processes and then trusting your process. Not like necessarily you have to tank, trust the process, but like, uh, you know, in order to gain any kind of an edge in sports, you need to have a different opinion than the other teams. Um, you need to trust your evaluations. You need to trust in kind of the talent gaps that you're seeing between how you're looking at a player and how other teams, like that's how you find value in the NBA is like being right about those things. And if you're just going to kind of go with consensus and not be willing to make any bold statements, you're never going to find an edge. And like, obviously you don't just want to be bold for the sake of being bold. Like you want to be right first and foremost. Um, but you have to like take some amount of risk. And so it's good that like people, what that also says to me is that people in the building are going to be empowered to take risks. And I think that's really important because otherwise you just kind of get the group think. And I mean, we've all been part of like wherever, like at work on teams, whatever, where there's kind of a group think and nobody brings anything to the table because you know, it's not really the culture. And I think that yeah. that is hopefully not going to be the case in the front office. Cause that sounds like a losing front office. Well, Andy, like he, he, I think he hits on a part and he doesn't say it exactly, but he, I think what he's saying in a nutshell is that being drafting someone that's really good and getting lucky is really easy, but it's also really hard. Like, yeah. like I, I guess basically it's like, yes, you're the better GMs are making, better draft picks nine times out of 10. Right. But like even the worst GM can get lucky into a in, into a sure, yep. picking a good player. But then again, like you, basically it's more times than not, like hopefully you're making the best informed decision and then you just hope in the long run it'll work out. Right. Um, Cause there's certainly GMs that have made bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. I guess what I'm saying is sometimes when a bad GM makes a really good move, it doesn't make him a good GM. And just because a good GM makes a bad move, it doesn't make him a bad GM. It, it totally it's it's three or four or five bad moves makes you a bad GM. And, and like why the why does matter. And like fans hate to hear this because it sounds like excuses, you know, yeah. but you draft a guy and he's a freak injury and breaks his leg and he busts. It's not your fault. You know, like there's well, no, like you, you, it's kind of a TBD, you know, in like it, situations like that. And I'm not saying that specific situation, but there are a lot of things that can happen that are totally outside of your control. And I think you well, have to be willing to acknowledge that. Well, I go back to that. Uh, was it the 2015 draft 2016? I think it was 2016 draft. Um, the wolves have the fifth pick and everybody compares like Chris Dunn and Jamal Murray because the wolves sort of taken Chris Dunn at five and it's like, sure, that's like easy to say, but 
I remember covering that draft that year. And at five, the hope was, I think, internally and externally, was that Jalen Brown would fall to five. Um, he doesn't. He goes three. Dra- Dragon Bender goes four. And then Chris Dunn is five. And everybody thought Chris Dunn was like such an amazing fit for the Tibbs system. Yeah. Um, but it was basically, if you were a Wolves fan, you were thinking, okay, we get to five. Brown's gone. Hopefully we get Dunn, Heald, or Murray. And then in that order, it goes Dunn, Heald, Murray. And it doesn't make the, the like, yes, now you look at the Dunn pick wrong, and right. you go, yeah, like that's a bad pick. But they were thinking correctly, like Chris Dunn's best self could have been that player, but he wasn't. So I don't know. I Like you, you can go through every single draft and, you know, there's a draft in which he passed on Donovan Mitchell. And it's like, yeah, you know, like sometimes when you get past like the top three, it's really hard to, to, you know, beat the shit out of these guys and be like, Oh, why didn't you draft so-and-so? It's like, Oh, why didn't you draft this guy at 13 when 12 other guys pass on him? Like, I think it's I don't know. way. I think it's way more of an indictment of bad GMs to draft bad players than to pass on good ones. If that makes sense. Like, cause the combination of, I think it's better for a GM. Like I think good GMs are more likely to pass on good players than draft bad players. Like, I think if you have a GM who's always picking bad players in the yeah. draft, like that's bad, but if you have, but every GM is going to have some guys that they passed on and maybe yeah. they and like, cause it's not always a total dichotomy of like, Oh, you passed on this guy. That's like five time all-star and the guy you picked is not in the draft anymore. Like, or not in the league anymore. Like sometimes you just take a decent player who you think is a good player and then there's just a guy who's better. And yeah. I think that it's hard to hold GMs to like, oh, you missed this guy. When the combination of circumstances that allows some guys to succeed and not others is, there are so many things in there. And some of it, like good GMs can see. And we keep saying good GMs, but really like good scouts. You know, yeah. like some of them can see that. And that's why there are teams that are always really good in the draft. But at the same time, like, I think it's a little bit unfair to grade GMs unless they have just like a really bad history of missing guys and just taking bad players. But I think you got to look at who they pick and how they work out more than who they didn't pick, I guess. And certainly like how you draft and how you trade and how you negotiate, like those are all things that make you a good GM. Yeah. Um, Like, but also it seems like from Tim Connolly and like the experience and, and what we've like heard about him, also, just like being a good person, it seems yeah. like he is. And like, if you're the timber and like Sashin Gupta certainly was, is a good person and he's with the team. And I think a lot of people are like, well, would you rather have Gupta or you rather have Conley? And it's like, you probably pick Conley because he's a little more experienced. But if you would have had Gupta, you would have been fine. But if you look at the Timberwolves like history um, since 2015, it's like you got Tibbs running the front office and then you have yeah. Gerson. And it's like two guys that I don't think people really liked working with. No. So if you can get people to like buy in, um, to, to what Connolly's doing, um, like the front office and the business side and like not, and certainly yeah. you're always, you're always going to have like, th- there was never a time, like even when Flip Saunders with the Timberwolves, there was always a clear divide between what he thought was right and what, um, and not even on like the basketball side, I guess, but just like what, you know, what pissed him off from what business side was doing. Like there's always yeah, going to be yeah, that yeah, weird yeah, divide, totally. yep. but um, yeah, like it, it just, it just seems like he's a good, like a good person. Well, I think you hit on something too, which is that 
I think we tend to grade GMs on the draft like more than any other single, you know, act that they do. It's like, well, how well do they draft? But I think like 90% of the GM's job is like talking to other GMs. So you want so yeah. you need somebody who's like, a, as you said, a decent person and gets along with people and who people take seriously and then being other people's boss. You know, like the, the president of basketball operation is like managing and like talking on the phone and doing that kind of stuff, like so much more than they're doing the draft. And so we just have to remember that there's like a lot more to this job. So I don't know. It's really interesting to think about because it's just like, I feel like a bad president of basketball operations can screw you up so much. And I don't know how much a good one can help you, but to like, yeah. to like know that you're not going to get screwed up is really good. <laughs> I I agree. Like, and this might be like a, just a wild statement, but it feels like you and I could fool people into thinking we're a good GM for like six months to a year. Uh-huh. Um, and they, they, I think they'd figured out real quick that we're, we're not. Hey, speak for um, yourself, man. Right? I, think, I think we'd be so, good. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, I, I just think oh, like yeah. his, his history of, of, of what he's done and um, yeah. the fact that he's like in those conversations, um, one decision he'll need to make, sooner rather than later is the future of D'Angelo Russell. Nice transition. Kyle. Thank you, sir. Uh, it's, it was reported um, by Mark Stein earlier this week. And also if you don't get Mark Stein Substack, which I didn't until last week, you should get it. Every article has like 35 different nuggets in there about like who's interested in who and what teams are He's really, in. really good stuff. Um, but he reports, and this isn't like crazy news, but he reports that the wolves are expected to trade or try to trade Russell. Um, and then Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report, um, he reported that the Knicks, um, this is executives around the league, believe the Knicks could look to acquire D'Angelo Russell from the Timberwolves. I called uh, it. Yes. You did. And the reasoning is similar to yours. Um, it's because the Knicks recently added Gerson Rosas to the so front funny. office who so traded funny. for Russell several years ago. Um, oh, my God. What a move. If If Gerson, like is like, I need to prove that I'm not wrong about D'Angelo Russell. So I'm going to go to the Knicks, get D'Angelo Russell, and destroy another franchise. <laughs> I'm just like looking at the trade machine. And so Russell's due $30 million next year. Um, like, oh, unless the trade's like Evan Fournier and Derek Rose, but then... but then you're stuck with Fournier for three years and $17 million per. I'd like, I don't want have that. Yeah, I, I guess, guess, but then are expiring. Yeah, but then you have to get two years of D Rose at thirteen million. I mean, that that's like the 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 wild thing with like trying to trade D It's that you're probably gonna have to take on a bad contract. Where unless a team is desperate, like I could see the Knicks being desperate. Like, like it almost seems just as likely they just hold on to him for one more year and then <laughs> maybe more. they try to trade him at the deadline if a team is interested in him or you just keep him for a year and hopefully that he can help you. Cause it doesn't seem like you're going to get a plus piece back. No. Um, like if you're getting rid of him, it's just like, you're trying to get rid of him just yeah. to cut, cut your losses. What's the D'Lo Randall money. Um, Randall is due 21 million. So you'd have to do like D'Angelo Russell for Randall. And then they'd also have to give up like Nerlens Noel. And then you could throw If you're the Timberwolves, you throw in like a first round pick. Hmm. I don't know if I'd do that if I were the well shit. I wouldn't I don't know if I'd do that if I were the Knicks. 
No, no, for sure. No. I mean, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, uh, as, I'm operating under the assumption here that the Knicks are acting rationally. Um, I think, I mean, uh, that like almost feels like the most, I guess if you're trading for Dila, you're kind of doing that ostensibly to pair him with Randall. Like, or if you're the Knicks, you're saying like, Hey, let's get rid of Randall's contract. Right. Like we have him for four years, 82 million or whatever. Right. Um, let's get Russell. Well, we have his expiring. And then use his expiring to try to trade for like the next star. Try to do a like sign and trade. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. I think think the Wolves should try to do that. I think, I actually think Randall and Kat would be a weirdly good fit together because they, I told my friend this, they have like the reverse bodies of what they play like. Yeah. You know, like Like, Randall's like a slightly undersized dude who like is really strong inside and Kat just like wants to be outside, but he's seven feet. So it's like, I, I kind of think they would play kind of well together. You could just kind of play Randall at center and play kind of power forward. I don't no, know. It'd be kind of weird. But they're both very, fun. both very good passers. So, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I don't know. Like, it we'll feels see. like it. Yeah, it, it feels like the Knicks wouldn't do that. But then when you talk more about like the money and you say, well, maybe if they just want the expiring, it could make sense. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. I am. Um, I'm intrigued. I don't know what the market is like for D'Angelo Russell. I can't imagine it's very good. No, but but there are like a lot of players that could be really going anywhere, and like who knows with with Conley, like what 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 he's up to. Never never underestimate a desperate team. Well, the Timberwolves were that desperate team, um, you know, three or four years ago, and I feel like now they are not, not anymore. But like that goes back to the the D'Lo Wiggins and number seventh pick, right? Where right. Um, like, you know, the Warriors were basically like, fuck, we're going to lose Durant, but we need to fill that spot with another asset so we can get another asset. And that's exactly what they did. Imagine um, if instead of all this bullshit, we had like <laughs> Dario, Cam Johnson, Wiggins, and Kaminga. Yeah. <laughs> instead of yeah. Culver and D'Lo. <laughs> and that, but that, and then, but. But then it kind of goes into that weird thing where like the wolves get the number one pick and then they get Edwards. Yeah, so like, yeah. does all of that happen yeah. if we don't, I get what you're saying though. Like if, Ugh. if everything replicated itself and stayed the same and you were able to get like, you know, yeah, which it, it all certainly would not. Cause then you probably don't get Beverly. Cause Colby's yeah. in that deal. Whatever. And then you, do you take LaMelo ball over Edwards? Oh, that would if suck. you do get the number one pick. So then you have, you know, LaMelo and, and Wiggins oh. and, towns and yeah. yeah you're right having Delo might have made them pick edwards yeah yeah because i think i i don't know i i wanted the mellow i'll be i'll say it but the one too, reservation like, i had yeah. was like oh well we already have Delo. we don't need him um which is always like a thing you shouldn't do in drafts like if yeah. the player's the best player you should just take them anyways um let's get into our DraftKings read and then we get some we'll get to some nba final stuff uh the NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. All right, Julian, um, what is your prediction? What's for the NBA Finals? We've got the Celtics. we got the Wars, which I'll just tell you this. very ha- I'm very happy about it. Um, I like the Celtics a lot. I like the Warriors. I think this is a fun Finals. Um, what's your prediction? Well, 
I gotta say, I've kind of been rooting lightly against the Celtics for the whole damn thing, just because I have a lot of friends from Boston. And well, some people might support their friends. And you hate your friends. I was going to say, and you hate your friends. I love my friends. I just know a lot of Celtics fans and sometimes it can be a bit much. Um, But I, I really know, I know that the consensus here is the Warriors, but I just kind of feel like it's the Celtics year. I don't know why. Yeah. DraftKings has Warriors as minus 150. There's no reason to not pick the Warriors. Because Curry is great. They're deeper than the Celtics. Like there are players on the Celtics bench who just like can't play. Who's their backup point guard? Sometimes it's Peyton Pritchard. He barely even played last game. I don't know. There's just like I think the the kind of how good the Celtics can be, especially when their starters have have played, is kind of covering up that there's some like borderline unplayable guys like in their rotation right now. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I don't know, just like there's something about Brown and Tatum and smart like Robert Williams when he's going, they just have a hard time picking against. Like, I think that Tatum and Brown, like will have answers for like Curry and yeah. Pool Boston matchups really well. It's it's like they're, they're not as good as the Warriors, but I, with their defense, I think I got to pick the Celtics. Yeah, I'm going to go Celtics in seven. Um, yeah, it's going to be a long one. The home court doesn't bug me because Boston hasn't really been good at home. Um, like they <laughs> lost to Miami in game That's six. so funny. It's like counterintuitive. It's like, oh, like they might they actually lo- win because they suck at home anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's like they don't particularly care about being at home, so that doesn't matter. Um, you know, I, I actually do think Boston is a better team. Um, like you look at their road and um, and thank God they get four days off. Um, because they looked so tired at the end of that game. Um, but, you, you know, with, with Tatum and Brown and Smart, I think you have, like, three really good defenders. And Derek White, um, can can he's a really good defender if he's, he's guarding defender. someone his size. Yeah. Um, that the, the Heat kind of picked on him with Jimmy Butler. Um, sure. And then I think you have, like, Al Horford and Draymond. I think that's really interesting. Um, yeah. I don't know if Robert Williams is, is healthy, but, like, all, suddenly, if you're the Warriors, you actually have like a real center that you have to match up against. And then I just look at like the path the Celtics took, where they they beat the Nets, they beat Milwaukee, yep. and you beat um, Miami. And then you look at the the Warriors, and if you're the Warriors, you couldn't have drawn that up any easy any better. Um, like in the second round, you have the Grizzlies, and there's no jaw. Um, and then in the third round, you have the Suns, and um, or sorry, the Mavericks, because they upset the Su- the Suns. And the Mavericks went from red hot against the Suns to like literally couldn't make a thing against the Warriors. So I think you had like two pretty favorable matchups for them where I think Boston is yeah. coming out of like it's a goddamn bloodbath. Totally. And they're battle they're, tested. They're, yeah. yeah. And like, you know, you could I guess the argument is like, well, are they they're too battle tested? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I don't know. We'll 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 see. I mean, um I you know, when I was in Vegas, I made some bets. Um at before game six, I bet that the, the Celtics would win the finals and that Tatum would win the um, MVP and then they lost game six. So then I bet before game seven that the Boston Celtics would win the NBA finals and that Tatum would win the MVP with better odds. Um, so that was good. And thank God they won game seven. Otherwise, I'd be in trouble. Um, so, yeah, I'm just I, I think it's going to be a really good series. Um, I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. And like, I think um, 
like as unexpected maybe as this is like it, it, it is, it does seem kind of perfect for like what was such a wacky year in the NBA. And this is Tatum's moment, you know, like yeah. if it, there people are shouting from the rooftops that he's a five top five player, you know, and this is his time. Um, you know, there were times against the heat when he looked kind of invisible and that's, I want to credit the heat defense because they had one of the best defenses in the league. So it's not like, you know, it's not like, he shouldn't be like ashamed that he was not able to just like take over against Miami, which just creates these insane, ugly games. And yeah, that's you know, thing. it's hard. It's hard to excel against the heat. Um, that's not true against the Warriors. Like the Warriors are a really good defense, but these are going to be like scoring games, you know, and he's got to show up. I mean, I think Tatum should be averaging like 30 in this series. And if yeah. he does, the Celtics will win. I mean, Tatum is averaging 27 points, seven rebounds, six assists in the playoffs. Brown's at 23 he's, points. He's, yeah. he's been good. Al Horford has been really good. Grant Williams has had his moments. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll, it'll be interesting. Like I was I'm super excited. Yeah. It's just going to be a fun one. Yeah. I was in a group chat of just going through like the top 10 players um, in the series. And it's like, yes, there's like, I think you have like the Curry Tatum Brown, you know, whether it's like Thompson and green, um, and then, but, but then you are still like, there's still like five more guys that you totally forget about where you're like, Oh my God, like Wiggins, I forgot about him. And like Marcus yeah. smart, like, okay. Yeah. Yep. Like Robert Williams, like is really good. If he's, if he's healthy, like there's just so many guys that can play. Um, yeah. Which I, I, I Wiggins is going to have to guard Tatum probably too. Right. Or are they going to yeah. play on Brown? I would think Tatum, right. Cause I don't, I don't know anybody else on that. Like, yeah. Like Draymond can't guard Tatum. No. Yeah. It's going to have to be Wiggins. Wow. <laughs> And and that that's the other thing too, where like this could well, be Miami, a real Wiggins moment too. Miami yeah. had so many guys like that that were switchable, where you know, and and Boston really likes to to hunt those switches. Where suddenly, if you're Tatum and you have Wiggins on you, and you don't want Wiggins on you, and you want Curry or Thompson on you, it's like that's like I don't know. Like you watch these playoffs yeah. and you realize real quickly like what what players teams are targeting, and they get off the court real quick. Um, yeah. like just ask Duncan Robinson. Like, yeah, it's yeah. it'll be interesting. Be interesting to see what happens to Pool. Yeah, yeah, it's another guy, another like total X factor guy. Like, yeah. you could tell me he averages like twelve points per game, or you could tell yeah. me he averages twenty six, and yeah. I like I could believe you either way. I mean, it's all about it. Whether I mean, you just kind of said it. It's all about it, whether or not he can stay on the floor. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, really, this is going to be a really, really fascinating series. I'm going to be uh, going to my college reunion leaving tomorrow night. Um, but I will definitely be tuning in. Yeah, I will be at uh Thursday night. I have a volleyball and I will be watching after Sunday. I'll be back. I have a guy's golf weekend. Um, guys, golf. guys, guy, golfing. guys, golf, just <laughs> some guys golfing. Um, so I'll be back for that. And yeah, it'll be, it'll be a good time. Um, all right, Julian, let's get into our three star sports card card yeah. corner. Um, I was there last week. I always say that cause I'm always there, but, um, yeah, I was I bought a box. You're going to get a button where you're like, and like, I was, I was there cards. last week. I bought a box of a uh, uh, revolution here. Um, Sweet. Yeah, it was, a, it was an okay box. I got a galactic, which is a case hit, but it was of like Chris Dorte. So like, I, I just sold it That's for like 60 bad. bucks. It was like a $250 box. Um, but I want to talk about something because prices on boxes have gone up and I think they're, they're maybe starting to stabilize a little bit. Like, because the market's not as hot as it was, but 
Um, I bought in like two boxes in a row now. I bought uh, the Crown Royal box and I bought this Revolution box, which they're pretty inexpensive. They're like, you know, yeah. one was like 400, one was like 300. Um, but Prism Hobby is coming out soon. And I think it's pretty easy. Um, right now, it is going for, um, it's a pre sale, so it's not out yet, but you can buy it on certain websites where they, I think they're, they, obviously know what it's going to sell for and the price is $1,899.95 so it's you know $2,000 for a hobby box right <laughs> and i have the same response yeah. but then i go yep. i go is there a way where like i can buy it and make money if i don't open it or is it worth it so then then i look back last year the lamello and anthony edwards hobby box is going for $1900 so same price um and this is all on, um, is it on blowout cards or maybe it's like DA card world. Um, they're all probably the same. Okay. The year before that we have Zion and Ja rookie year. And that box is $2,100. And then you go to the Luca year, which is at $4,400 for a box. Um, and then there's 2017, 18, which is going for 1900. The interesting thing there though, I think with like the 18 and 19 and 17, 18 is, there's no way those started at $1,800 because no. the cards were not as popular then. Um, so, like, I'm guessing somebody could correct me here. People My guess is that they went for like $800 or $1,000 yeah. a piece. And then you go back to like 2014 15 is the Wiggins rookie year, and Embiid was the number three pick. And that box is only $1,200. Um, but again, that box when it came out in 2014 or 2015 was probably like $300 or $400. Yeah. What point am I trying to make? I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is, though, is that if you bought a box of 21-22 Prism, which has some pretty promising rookies in it, from Cade Cunningham to Scotty Barnes to um, Evan Mobley to, I think, Jalen Green's look good. Josh Giddy looks good. Like, my, my guess is if we had this conversation in a year and you were trying to buy a box of Prism from the 21-22 season... My guess is it would probably be going for more than what it is yeah. when it when, when it opens. So, um, is this, yeah, am concern. I telling you to spend two grand? No. Um, yeah. And then it has to be you buy it for two grand and then you don't open it, right? Like, where, where you just stash it. Um, my so concern yeah, I, is like about the specific rookies. Like I feel like there just hasn't been that much buzz. I don't like what are you seeing in the card market specifically with this class? Because. Well, it's hard because I think a lot of people are holding their cards still because PSA is still fifty dollars oh, right, per card. Yeah. So I think a lot of like the cards that you would see being sold for, it's it's real tricky, right? Because all a lot of the cards that you would see graded going for two or three hundred dollars that are PSA tens aren't being sold, but right. the ones that are being sold are being super inflated because there's not as many of them right now. Right. Um, oh yeah, totally. So it's. Like it, it's huh. really it's it's hard to get like a super good read on the market when it's it's fifty bucks or like like for example like the Donruss rated rookie PSA ten where like the Luca is going for like two hundred or two fifty yeah and it's like well if that nine it's probably only worth like a hundred and then it's fifty dollars to grade so it's like is that really worth it I don't know blah 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 um, for Luca for sure is but I'm just saying for like other players yeah, yeah, yeah. um so I don't know like I, I I don't really know I guess what I, I guess what I would be doing and i like what i might do is i might convince myself into buying one and you know whether i stash it or whether i open it like 
I'm going to feel good because, and certainly like you can open a box and just get nothing and it'll suck. But like, you know, I, I think there's probably people that buy like cases of this product or a case of it and they open one and they stash the other and they hope that Kate Cunningham becomes LeBron James. Yeah. And then suddenly it's, you know, going for $5,000 and I mean, you five X your money. You could also like buy the thing, wait a couple of years. If it's not worth more, just open it. Yeah. And just see and, what happens. And hope that you get like a, a hit in it. Yeah. So, cause I don't know, like you're playing the odds, of course. I mean, it's like, I guess the question is like, then would the, like, what's the potential value in it? But that's probably going to be priced in. So I don't know. It's, yeah. But, but suddenly like, but I guess that's like the risk though, because there's right, exactly. like when Luca was a rookie, we knew he was going to be good, but we didn't know Luca was going to be a top five guy. Right. Um, same with Tatum. Like we knew Tatum was going to be a good player in 2017, but we didn't know Jason Tatum was going to be like top five ish player that could be the a finals MVP in five yeah. years. Right. Or like, you know, I don't like, is that Cade Cunningham? Like, is that Evan Mobley? Is that Sky Barnes? Is that, right. is Jalen green going to average 29 points per game in three years? Like, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah. and it's easy to say when a player booms where we all go, well, yeah, we kind of knew that. Yeah, like we course. saw that coming, yeah, and it's right. like, no, yeah. we fucking didn't. Like, we who would have put money on Luca being a top five, like whatever he is? Like, yeah, you're just like a top three, top five player in year four. Like, yeah. no, probably not. Um, eventually, maybe people would have bet on that, but like, not so quick. So, yeah, yeah, but go check out Three Stars there um, in Bloomington. They're in Little Canada. They have a website. Um, tell them, tell them the um, Ten Thousand Lives podcast sent you. They would. Um, I don't know if they would appreciate it, but we would appreciate it. They'll appreciate that you're there. They probably don't care why you're there, but um, yeah. Well, Julian, um, you have fun at your reunion this week. I will. Um, I'll have fun at guys golf. Um, and then we'll reconvene next week and we have to get into some more free, some more free agent and like roster review stuff. We do. We do. We and then by through a couple of those rosters, maybe on one part we, we can. And then we, I know we've been promising people that we need to open stuff, but oh yeah. Um, but we do need to do that too. I still, we still have a, a bunch of discounts over at three stars that we need to, we need to burn up. So, um, cool. Well, yeah, let's talk early next week and we'll talk finals and we'll talk Wolves players and we'll see if any breaking news happens. But, um, until then, thank you. Good, sir. And I will talk to you then. <laughs>